0: Episode three hundred forty-seven of the Biz Talk podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Seminoff. We have the Schofield Honda Brain Trust on this week's episode of the Biz Talk podcast. Roger Schofield, who has headed Wichita's Honda dealership for decades, recently turned over managing partner responsibilities to his son, AJ Schofield, who has worked in just about every nook and cranny of the company. We'll talk about the transition, how AJ got hooked on auto sales, and what's ahead for the 50-year-old dealership. Roger and AJ Schofield in just a minute. But first, here's a look at what's in the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Our cover story this week is a look at the new leaders of Wichita area companies you need to know about as we start 2024. That may or may not include AJ. Managing Editor Shelby Kellerman introduces readers to 14 new CEOs who will begin to shape their companies. Our new CEOs list begins on page 12. This week's list is Wichita area law firms. It's a double pager, meaning we will list about 50 firms, the most ever, both large and small. The list begins on page eight. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 16. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges visit them today at equitybank.com. It's a pleasure to welcome Roger Schofield and AJ Schofield to our Biz Talk podcast this week. The Schofields made news at the first of the year when Schofield Honda announced that Roger was stepping aside as managing partner and AJ, who was Roger's son, would become managing partner. So it seemed like a great time to have them both on the podcast. Gentlemen, welcome to you both.
1: I appreciate the invite. <laughs>
0: So, A.J., two weeks as managing partner now. You took over January 1st. Have you, have you corrected all your father's errors
2: over the years? <laughs> not even close. <laughs> um, but, you know, with my very first day, we had some uh, pretty crazy stuff going on. So, uh, it's kind of been the theme every time I get in a new position. Uh, I get started day one, uh-huh. uh, whether it's my choice or not.
0: <laughs> Thrown in but to the fire. Talk a, a little bit about how this uh, succession plan happened. Was it in the plans all along, or how did you get to that point?
1: So, interestingly enough, since A.J. was six years old, that's all he's ever wanted to be, was in the car business. And I still have the cards that we printed up for him AJ at, at six years old, business cards, uh, it says A.J. Schofield Salesman, and he would come down with me on Saturday mornings, and he, I gave him his business cards, and he'd walk around with a little write-up sheet and go sell cars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was always always like that, and when he was 14, he uh, started working in the dealership, and I brought him over and just like my father did before me. And, uh, you know, he was a lot attendant, and, uh, you know, I, I always wanted him to do the hardest jobs in the dealership. Because I think that gives you a healthy respect for your employees and your fellow teammates about, you know, everybody. You need to respect everybody and what they do. So I think that really helped his. But, you know, he was a law attendant one summer, and then he worked in the detail department. Then we had him changing oil and, and working on brakes and changing tires. And then he was working, then he worked as an express service um, Uh, agent and uh, advisor and you know just really learning to deal with the public and and working his way up and getting his foot in just about every position there at the dealership Mm -hmm. and then from there you know we talked about business you know what are the best business schools and and of course KU has one of the best top 10 in the in the country so that's where he went and did that and then again it was coming back from college and Uh, Working your way up, you know from Mm -hmm. used car sales and new car sales and I'll let him tell you about all the other positions he's had but uh, You know, I think the final thing was after uh, You know, he's been with us five years now and after that it was it was always about the NADA National Automobile Dealers Association has a uh, really nationally known uh, dealer Academy and it's six weeks about 240 hours uh, college credit hours of uh deep dive into all the operations and it's it's you know you spend it's when i went it was always in a different city now they have their nada headquarters in washington dc so it's a one week on six weeks off so and it's just a deep dive into financials into parts into service and sales and really leadership training and so that's kind of culminated in you know I'd all, we'd always talked about once once that uh, time came for him to come go to the NADA Academy. I'm very proud of him because almost 30 years to the day when I went, I was elected class president, and he called me up after his first week and said, hey, they, they elected me class president as well. So I, I, we've never officially uh, verified it, but we think we're the only father-son. There's been a lot of father-sons that have all gone through the dealer Academy, but we think we're the only father-son duo that have both been elected class president. So I was very proud of him for that. That's a very
0: cool recognition. Um, AJ, talk first of all about having business cards at age six and, and do, what memories do you have? And then talk about a little bit about what your, what your dad was talking about, about learning every piece of the business along the way.
2: Well, um, you know, I always just love spending time around the dealership and, um, <clears throat> being around the sales guys. And, you know, my, that was my grandpa's true love was, uh, the, the showroom floor. So, um, I just love being immersed in it and being around it. Um, And yeah, I remember thinking I sold an S2000 on my first day and thought the gig was pretty easy from then on. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I've learned a lot and uh, I think my coming up in the business was very integral in me wanting to stay in the business because, um, you know, my dad mentioned having respect for our employees, but even more so than that, it gave me a very clear perspective of what it's like to uh, write service, to... Uh, sell a car to do the back-end financing. Um, I've been operations and HR manager at times. And um, so it just kind of forced me to wear a lot of hats that I think has made me pretty well-rounded in in, uh, the position that I hold now as Mm -hmm. managing partner.
0: For folks who don't know, let's talk a little bit about the history of the dealership. Um, This was your, 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 Roger, your father and your uncle
1: Dick and, Vic and Dick Schofield, they were brothers, and they uh, started in Augusta, Kansas, back in 1954. Now, their older brother, their, their, my dad was the youngest of seven kids, uh, Dick was the middle kid, and then their oldest brother, Gene Schofield, uh, actually uh, had the first Ford franchise, the first new car franchise in, in Augusta, and it was uh, uh, Schofield Hurst uh, Ford, so they were both in Winfield, and And honestly, their first, most people don't know this, but my dad and uncle, Vic and Dick's first business was Schofield Potato Chips in Winfield, Kansas. Ah. And uh, uh, Larry Larry, uh, Hatterberg uh, folks had a uh, a, uh, small cafe there. And I remember he came and purchased a vehicle from me one time. And he was telling me how he remembers as a kid, my dad and uncle driving around in an old station wagon. They had all their potato chips and like, Grocery sacks, and they would, like, wholesale them to the the local diners there. So that was their first business together. My uh, uncle, Gene Schofield, talked them into coming working for them, and uh, they did quite well. They took their savings, started a little used car lot. Then they acquired the Oldsmobile franchise, and they got Pontiac. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were doing so well uh, with Pontiac, especially in Augusta, Kansas, that General Motors came to them and said, what are, what are you guys doing? Because you're out, you're in this little t- 5,000 mm-hmm. people town out selling the big guy in, in uh, Wichita. And what they found was they had concentrated on service. At, at the time, in the 50s, most, most dealerships, service was a necessary evil. They really didn't want to service the cars and they didn't really see the opportunities. But, you know, my, my dad and my uncle always believed that service means sales. It's mm-hmm. like, in other words... Sales department sells the first car, but your service department gets people coming back. Absolutely, but, yeah. You know, if you think about it, the sales process is a relatively short, you know, a few hours. Maybe you spend a couple of weeks researching it, but that service and maintenance part of it is, which is I'm a firm believer And you maintain your vehicles, and they're going to last a lot longer, mm-hmm. just, just like your body. <laughs> you maintain it, and hopefully it lasts a long time. But they were doing things in service and just – customer satisfaction that no one else was doing and Mm -hmm. so they were very process oriented and and so how did how did honda come along so another cool story my dad was uh there was a a regional uh, pontiac meeting going on in kansas city and he drove up there and he walked into the room this is him telling me the story so i didn't even take my coat off it was winter time and a guy named Jay Wolf, who's at Jay Wolf Organization, is pretty famous up in Kansas City. Said, "Vic, I just signed up for Honda here in Kansas City." And my dad said, well, "I'm not into motorcycles," and he says, "No, they they have a car now. They're getting ready to open it up." And he said, "Man, I think it's going to be a hot franchise. You ought to get it." And he mm-hmm. said, "In fact, I know the guy's heading to Wichita, or is in Wichita now." My dad said, "He didn't even take his coat off." Said, "See you, boys." Hopped in the car, drove back to Wichita. Now this was, you know, back in the early late 60s so Mm -hmm. well before privacy concerns (laughs) he called up a couple of hotels found the honda rep the honda rep said well i've kind of verbally promised it to another guy here and my dad said i want to take you to dinner i want to prove to you why i'm the best candidate very next day he got the franchise so we we opened up in uh, july 31st of 1971
0: isn't that funny how just the slightest thing, maybe if he had sat down and, and taken his coat off and not thought about it for a while, he would have been too late. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. Was was Honda a risk at that point in the late 60s, early 70s?
1: I don't know that it was so much a risk because originally they put it in the showroom of their Pontiac store. The Pontiac mm-hmm. store was a, not, the showroom wasn't that big. It was three or four cars if I remember right. But, you know, it started out Pontiac. Well, Prior to that, in 68, they had acquired Mercedes-Benz. So they had Pontiac and Mercedes-Benz already selling out that one dealership. Now Honda, they were selling out of that for two. So they had three franchises. So the expenses were already there and covered. So it was just, I, but it, it certainly was an oddity. I remember as a kid, uh, being in high school, my dad said, hey, I want you to drive one of these little Honda Coupes. And I remember, Maybe a little embarrassed about it because I mean it was a little tiny. We still have one of those first 1972 Civic CCC C coupes sitting on the floor, and they're tiny. Time and they make a smart car look big. But mm-hmm. I remember driving it back to Augusta, Kansas, where I grew up, and you know people flying by in their Cadillacs and Lincolns and looking at me, and some people flipping me off, and all this <laughs> and that. And I think it had a stop speed of about 65 or something. <laughs> But, you know, I sure like the gas, because I only had to fill it up about every two weeks. So,
0: And it's proven to be, you know, if not the most reliable brand, one of the two most rely- two or three most reliable brands in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, you're, you're stepping aside as managing partner, but you're going to stay on as president. Tell me what your role is going to be now, and, and how much are people going to see you around the dealerships?
1: So, you know, I, I told AJ when when he became managing partner, the best thing I could do was just take off for a couple of months. So that's what I'm doing now and you know, I'm mm-hmm. taking off the month of January and February, and I'm going to travel a lot. Uh, I've already taken one trip. I'm getting ready to go on another trip this week. And so, you know, I've been doing retail. It's kind of like, an, you know, I've been doing retail for 37 years just at the dealership level and it, it wears on. It. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take this time to recharge and regroup and, you know, I think uh, I'm going. My role is going to be what AJ wants it to be. You know, I've told him that I'm I'm going to be there to mentor. Uh, I still enjoy talking to all of our our guests and customers, and you know, there's so many people been there, and so, you know, but I'm just not going to be on that. I'm not going to be a slave to a set schedule. You mm-hmm. know, if I if I'm around, I'll, I'll come in. Uh, but he's really in charge, and he's really making the decisions, and I, it'll be more of a Coming in and just saying hi to people and, and kind of, you know, if I want to come in four days, I will. If I want to come in one day, I will. They may not see me for a couple of weeks. It just kind of depends. But uh, I'm not going to be a slave to a schedule anymore and, and grinding out the hours like it, it, it I've done over the last almost 40 years. Mm-hmm.
0: AJ, have you... You know, with with your father not around, and he's been a fixture for forty years, uh, has it been different, or ha- do you like maybe getting to get you, getting your own feet wet as the managing partner without him around?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think it kind of helps, kind of establish the new. Um chain of order now and uh with our our general manager brad cox you know at at sometimes when it was the three of us in the building there was almost a uh, too many generals and uh i i feel that you know just in the couple of weeks that he has been gone it's really helped brad and i kind of establish uh the new way that we're going to be doing things so um i i think it's been very beneficial and uh you know he's earned it Mm -hmm. Uh, almost 40 years in the car business he deserves to have his feet up and be sitting on a beach somewhere in my opinion
0: taking over leadership of your father's dealership when that was your grandfather's dealership talk about is there
2: pressure involved there Um, definitely no pressure from my dad um, my pressure all comes internally to, uh, you know, carry on the legacy that they worked so hard to build and um, that that I've enjoyed as as, you know, being the third generation. The, the reputation was definitely built. And uh, so I guess the pressure mainly comes from me and, and this, the want to also grow something that has grown way bigger than probably my grandfather and great uncle uh, had originally planned on when when they signed up with honda so um really it's, it's just internal pressure to but to be great and and continue on what they've built and, and do right by them
0: mm-hmm. i'm curious are, are your leadership qualities similar um did that, that he, that he pass down things to you that, that you certainly want to follow that you certainly believe
2: yeah I you know I definitely I think there are a lot of things that he does that I do but um, also I, I plan on doing it my way as well. Um, and so I'm kind of in the middle of, uh, of really defining what that means and, and, and working on a couple different ways and trying them out. And I'm really, I'm, I'm big on trying something if it doesn't work, then we're going to adjust fire and, and, and kind of redirect in a different way. But, mm-hmm. um, I've been fortunate to be led by him and I, I feel there's a lot that I can draw from that, but, um, also want, want the AJ flavor on there as well. <laughs>
0: okay describe the AJ flavor what does that mean
2: <laughs> you know I, I I want to empower the the employees that we put in um, authority positions to make decisions um, I, I feel that you know it I'm surrounded by people that might have been in the car business as long as I've been alive so um, I'm really gonna trust my um, my leadership team to um, you know, give me their opinions and their experiences that maybe I haven't had the, the time to enjoy myself yet. But um, I feel that kind of using a consultative mindset is is one of my strengths and kind of gathering information and then deciding what I feel is going to be the best way to move forward. But um, surrounding myself with people who are smarter than myself.
0: <laughs> That's always, I've always considered that very important. Yeah, and I
1: I, I was just going to say that. That was the biggest advice my dad gave me was just, you know if you're the smartest guy in the room with your managers there's something wrong because you shouldn't be the smartest guy I mean <laughs> if if you're truly doing things right so i i think that's uh you know, i think we're just big on on uh, you know hiring people from the neck up not the neck down and saying hey do the right thing make decisions uh don't sit there and say well i got to talk to the owner i got you know people people want decisions made and uh, oftentimes a molehill can become a mountain if you let it drag on so mm-hmm. people you know and you know i've never beat, beaten people up for making the wrong decision or an incorrect decision but you know it's like hey let's talk about it why maybe this wasn't the best decision <laughs> i understand why you did it at the time but let's don't just do it again mm-hmm. i i mean we we learn more from our mistakes than we do our successes i firmly believe so uh but you just can't make the same ones over and over
0: no then you haven't learned how you know from from your time in, in starting in the dealership in the early 80s talk about how automotive sales have changed over the decades and then <laughs> the the change that he's that he's going to see over the next few decades yeah.
1: well I think I truly have seen some of the uh, uh, the the business changed just uh, it was on warp speed from when I got in in 86 I mean when I got in 86, we didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. Uh, we didn't have the internet. So things, you know, people, the average person would just go up and down the street and they'd visit six or seven dealerships. Nowadays, they, they, I think the average now is like one and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, because they can do so much research online. They come in knowing more about the cars than we do half the time because they just, you know, I mean, just everything's online. So, but... Um, it's just yeah it's just changed but it's you know the, the more it's changed the more things stay the same people still want relationships i mean they've they've called for the demise of the uh, automotive franchise you know a 100 times over the years from the internet to whatever but people yeah, ninety five 95 of them do their research but they still want to talk to a human person they mm-hmm. still want to talk to that sales consultant who's trained and knowledgeable and is there to, uh, you know, just just give them give them the research and we're a very consultive type selling model here. You know, we're not here to sell you. We're here to consult you, tell you, you know, find out your needs and wants and what's important to you, and then direct you, give you the choices. You know, and hey, mm-hmm. we've got it. You know, here's here's what the premium model is. Here's what the base model is. And oh, if you want to save some money, here's here's a, a nice two-year-old pre-owned or three-year-old pre-owned car. So it's just it's just really about, you know, providing a great experience, you know. Sell like you want to be sold, the golden rule, you right. know. I mean, no one wants to be harassed and barraged and, and all that, so.
0: It, it, is it is it good to have a a more knowledgeable customer come in and know what he or she wants? uh, Oh,
1: absolutely. I mean, when I got in the business, people didn't know what an accord was. They didn't know what a civic was. They didn't, they didn't know our models at all. Mm -hmm. So you were having to show them. Now they know that it's car and drivers, you know, best 10 best car list, 34 years in a row. And they, they know down to, they pretty much know for the most part down to the model they want and, and color and trim, and it's just a matter of, hey, I, I, I just want to drive it. Now. I just want to make sure, so let's test drive it. Maybe there's some other tips there. And so I, I think because they can buy a, a Honda from multiple stores in the area, in the mm-hmm. States, then it becomes about the experience, you know, right. how how knowledgeable is the salesperson. You know, were you greeted prop- warmly and properly, and, you know, did, you, did they get that information, or did you just say, well, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then it's selling it's it's as much selling the dealership and the experience there Mm -hmm. and uh, you know We've been blessed with great employees. We're we're 14 times, you know, Wichita Business Journal best places to work and That's that I've really taken that's a big part of our culture is wanting to be the best place to work Mm because if if your employees are happy you can't have a great business and happy customers if your employees aren't happy so I think a lot of people get it mixed up and you got to focus on having a great workplace and 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 to me what I learned from my uncle uh, was recognition was very important and that's been kind of one of my things is just and he taught me that was every morning I try to walk around the dealership and and greet as many employees as I can how you doing and how was your weekend? How about the chiefs? You know, I mean, whatever. Uh, And learning what, you know, learning what their likes are, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I know some of the guys, you know, their kids are in sports. So you ask them how that went or, you know, you, you guys, you know, this time of year, you know, a lot of your techs are hunters, you know, and Hey, how'd the deer hunting go last week and fishing. And, you know, we try to do uh, events outside the dealership and outside the business to connect us as individuals and humans and, But it's just recognition. I remember my uncle said, you know, if uh, you know, people are a lot more apt to run through a wall for you if they think the boss even gives a you know what (laughs) that they're there. And just acknowledging that, and you know, I've I've had people come over from other businesses, other dealerships that said, man, I've seen and talked to you more in the first month that I've been here than in the last three or four years at my old business. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's really been our culture is recognition and, and, uh, and we do a lot of things to recognize our employee. We have a quarterly meeting. Uh, we call it, we, I, I kind of deemed it Rogers curbside chat after the old fireside chat. Right. And I just thought it was real important. We've been doing it for 15 years Where every quarter. We bring not just the sales team but we bring together, everybody in the dealership. Uh, accounting and sales and service and parts and the lot attendants and the detailers and everybody that makes the dealership go around and we talk about where we've been you know how the last quarter was where we're at now and what the future is and I think people like to know they like to be in the know and I think so many businesses keep their employees in the dark and so I think it's important to celebrate successes we read letters from our customers and that that kind of Uh, enhances that culture that that one person can make a difference Mm -hmm. and that and we just really talk about uh, making every day unbelievable that's kind of our motto (laughs) is just you know let's make it unbelievable for ourselves for our customers our guests and and so that's that's been a big part of our culture
0: AJ I won't ask if you're going to have AJ's curbside chats I won't put that
2: pressure on you yet but yes of course
0: (laughs) I do want to ask where do car sales go from here what what's next?
2: Well, um, you know, I I believe that uh, our showroom has really moved out of our brick and mortar store and on into online. Mm-hmm. Um, we get way more traffic online, and um, you know, again, we we just I feel our job is to foster uh, the availability of information to our customers and provide them an an experience online that's going to match the experience once they walk in the door and uh, confirm all the research that they've done themselves. the goal is to, to get the sales process down. Um, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily enjoy the process of buying a car cause it does, uh, in their mind take a long time. And, um, you know, again, it's a very big purchase that you're making. So naturally, uh, there's going to be a lot of paperwork uh, that needs to be done. But, um, the goal is to just make it a seamless experience from the research you were doing in your underwear at 2am in the morning to when you walk into our dealership.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, when your father and I were just starting out professionally in the 1980s, the, the big advertising thing would be taking your ad down to the Eagle for the Sunday paper in a full-page ad of all your, your, your sales. Now, it, I'm imagining social media plays just as big a part. Definitely. Talk about how, how an automobile dealership has to make that a top priority.
2: Well, um, you know we've done a great job growing our Facebook page, um, and I I believe that just is the best type of marketing that you can do. Um, not only is it um, a lot less expensive to mm-hmm. us, but it's a lot more immediate. So I've you know I'm I'm no uh, cinematographer by any means, but I've learned to you know I've purchased a drone. Uh, I got a little gimbal that we take video in house now uh, instead of having to schedule something with a marketing company. And have them come down to us. Uh, I just think it really helps us increase our velocity uh, with our messages. So when we see something cool going on at the dealership, um, there's you know every day there's there's something new that's happening there that's uh, exciting. Whether it's a, a customer with a dog that walks itself with a holds its a uh, leash in its mouth or whatever it may be, but uh, we do you know it's a big um, uh, it's a big importance to us to. To capture it and show people what makes our dealership so great and I feel that's our best way of doing it.
0: Roger, you've been the face of Schofield Hunter for a long time. Uh how quickly do, I haven't checked TV ads lately. Are you already on the TV ads? Have you already made your first appearance?
2: We uh we do our first shoot next week. Uh, that will include both of us, but um you know, we'll we'll be working on that transition over over the next year and you know, it's something that I think my dad is great at. I think it's something that um You know, I don't have a lot of experience in yet. So there will be a time where he's definitely at least the executive producer on it, and uh, we'll see how how the the change of talent and change of face uh, comes into play.
0: Roger, when you've done ads over the years, you've always been – you're not shouting at the te- you're not shouting at the TV. You're not doing anything like that. It's always been high class. Well done. Uh, has AJ got that in him? What were you teaching him along those lines?
1: Well, again, it all comes. I think about. I don't know. I don't think you know this about me, but when I uh, my when I first came back to Wichita from Iowa, um, I did not go into the car business. I I went to work for channel 12. I wanted to be in radio television. <laughs> and I went out and I did the five, six and 10 o'clock news with uh, Roger Cornish and Susan Peters. And and I was there right when they, I mean, I got there like 30 days after they had changed over from KTVH to KWCH. Uh-huh. So I watched many, many dozens and dozens of newscasts over the years. And I've just always really impressed with, the, uh, Roger Cornish was a big influence on me. And I just said, you know, I really like your delivery. And he said, you know, I just talked to the camera. He said, I was real nervous but he said, I talked to the camera, like I'd be talking to a friend about the news. And he said, I'm not breathless or I don't go into, you know, my announcer voice or anything like that. And so, you know, when I did, you know, when I did do my first TV commercial and, and back when I did my first TV spot, I mean, there was only I mean one other dealer, I think in town that was doing it. So it was relatively new, but that kind of helped ease my nerves. It's just like, Hey, don't think if you start thinking about the thousands of people that could be watching, it's easy to get nervous, but it, you know, whether it's a radio spot or what TV spot or whatever. And I've tended to write my own spots over the years. Cause so often a, a uh, ad agency will, you know, they get you having to talk, you know, Hey, everybody, come on down by You know, I'm like, this is like a, two minute spot in a 30 seconds i'm Uh not i can't do this so i just hey let's pick out the highlights we don't need to throw everything but the kitchen sink in here what's our couple of things we're really trying to get across here and talking a conversational tone so i Mm -hmm. think that's just uh, what it's all about but i've been doing this for a long time it's pretty you know whether it's a radio show or a tv thing uh, i'm i I feel pretty comfortable at it but uh, it's just something that'll come with time and you know, you just gotta gotta practice it mm-hmm. and do it. But uh, you know, I think I think too. People nowadays, there's that authenticity that people want, and I think that's the thing about social media. You don't need to do that. It doesn't have to come across as a commercial. So I think you know a lot of what he's going to be doing is just you know. And you know, I, I think people on on and all the social media experts I say, look at some of the some of the. Uh, viral videos are not the most highly produced they're you know they're pretty rough looking but people it, it's something there's something about in that video but it's the authentic authenticity of it mm-hmm. i think that's just what you got to re- remember and they get the message across yeah. yeah
0: we look forward to the first ad with the with father and son of Schofield uh coming up soon roger Schofield, aj Schofield, thanks so much for spending some time it's been a fun conversation and aj good luck to you as you can move forward
2: Thank you very much. Looking forward to it.
0: That's it for BizTalk this week, episode 347. Check out all our podcast episodes at our BizTalk hub. That's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. BizTalk is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be
1: safe. Have a profitable week.